Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Well, howdy-do, my sweet friends. I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're having a wonderful, wonderful start to your week. Uh, what have I been doing today? Today I woke up at 4.30 a.m. I don't know why. I think it's because I went to bed super early. Like I, I had a bath. I started reading this book. Oh, I like to tell you when I find a good book. I started reading this book, The Maid. I love a good novel slash uh, whodunit. Um, so I started reading that really really enjoying it you know you like a book when you wake up in the morning and you're like I want to read it but like I feel like I should wait because it feels like fun (laughs) I don't know part of me feels like I should wait until tonight and hold off but it's a really good book so if you like um if you like me if you like pretty much anything that Reese Witherspoon puts out in the sunshine whatever her thing is called hello sunshine pretty much anything that she kind of says is good I like get it straight away and I'm pretty sure this was on that I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure it was apparently it's a tv show as well anyway I'm enjoying it so far so if you have any book recommendations of a similar vibe to that I love Leanne Moriarty I love um who did I read recently Sally Rooney I've been enjoying her book I read this memoir by Nora Ephron called I feel bad about my neck that was really funny and really really like relatable in so many ways so anyway if you have any books that you like please dm me on instagram because i'm always looking for new books to read um business books yes but also kind of like i love a good i love a good memoir i love a good kind of uh fiction um a real page turner that's what i'm looking for so if you have any recommendations please send them my way anyway i was telling you that just to kind of let you know what i've been doing now I'm going to talk to you about the episode today. We are joined by Todd Howard. Now, Todd is the founder of Grow a Niche Business, and he helps businesses find out what makes them unique so they can stand out from the competition and attract their ideal customers. If you run a business, you likely recognize that you need to have a niche for your business, right? You need to have an ideal client. You need to have, like, speak to your people. But what we're going to talk through today with Todd He is sharing the five elements that help you to find your niche. And for a lot of people, there's resistance around finding your niche or narrowing your niche. And this conversation is going to help you a bunch. Let me tell you, there is always more work that you can do to narrow your niche, to speak to your people. Uh, A really good way to think about it is like, we live with so much noise online. And when you find your niche, instead of shouting louder, you can whisper to your people. That's what having a niche allows you to do. So this is really important conversation. You are going to love it. So we're going to dive straight into my interview with the wonderful Todd Howard. Well, Todd, welcome to the show. I am so happy to have you here. I'm really excited for this conversation. We kind of were chatting before we hit record and both of us realized, oh my gosh, we just need to hit record right now because there is so much gold that I know you're going to share with us all about, I call it niche and you call it niche, I say niche right? and both are correct. <laughs> both are correct. So there's actually a story back uh, to tell. So niche 
comes from a French word, niche, which means to nest. So the French, if you were, if you like to say it in the French way, you would say niche. In the UK, because everything, everything in the UK is different than in France, they say niche. Americans mm-hmm. got their English from the English. Mm-hmm. And so we say niche. So both are correct. It just depends whether right. you're feeling French or English when you use it. <laughs> I love that. I find most Aussies use niche and it is kind of weird that we do though because we got like we learned same as the US like we learned English from the English like from the UK so it's kind of like kind of yeah. wild. Niche just sounds a little more sophisticated I think. I, I'm trying to use that more often. <laughs> yes. I, I say niche naturally but I'm trying to use yeah. niche more often. It makes me sound smarter. It's, it's softer. It's softer. Though I will say I had a coach say to me, (laughs) he said it lovingly, but he was like, you need a niche slap. And I was like, a niche slap? Like what? And that actually really, it helped me to figure out, okay, he's being serious about me finding my niche. And also I was like, but I'm reading this as niche slap and that doesn't feel, (laughs) it doesn't have the same ring to it as niche slap does. I think it's a good way for us to start our conversation because a lot of people, you know, are finding that they're like, they recognize that they need to find a niche or mm-hmm. niche. But when it comes to it, they're kind of like a deer in the headlights. They're a bit like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to find a niche. I don't know if it's niche enough. And then they start to actually question, well, you know, am I am I going to be limiting myself if I niche down too much? How do I say no to people who aren't the right fit? And it kind of brings up a lot of these other emotions, a lot of these other, sometimes these limiting beliefs of like, well, if I say no, I'm going to miss out on opportunities. If I niche down, it's going to mean that I get less sales, make less money. And it kind of brings up all this stuff. And you are an expert at helping people to find their niche. I want to start by unpacking why do you think finding a niche is so important? Finding a niche is going to help you focus like really nothing else will. When you know exactly who you're talking to and what they value in your offer, then you can focus your time and energies there. A lot of small business owners run the risk of taking too general of an approach, spreading themselves thin, and really running out of time and money. They're trying to make everybody happy and If I were to walk into any small business owner's office and say, listen, your ideal customers are these people. This is their demographic. This is uh, what they want to spend and go right down the list and offer that. That would be tremendous for them. They would be able to put all of their marketing focus Mm. uh, right there on those clients. And that, that focus is just invaluable. So I think that's the main thing you get out of finding a niche for your business. Mm, the the focus thing really resonates with me. And like my journey, Todd, has been that the coach who said, I could, like, you need a niche slap. <laughs> he wasn't the last coach to say something along those lines to me. Um, another coach actually made me in front of all of these people. <laughs> he was like, you need to seriously sort out your niche. You're speaking to too many people. You aren't going to build credibility that way. And you need to sort this out ASAP because, 
And it was kind of like step one of like what I needed to focus on. And so he made me flip a coin because <laughs> I was like, I don't know oh, who really? to serve. And he flipped a coin and yeah. yeah, and he was like, you've got, tell us your two audiences that you're kind of tossing up between. And I had two audiences and he flipped a coin and he held the coin on his hand and he was like, Laura, I'm not going to tell you if it was heads or tails right now. I just want to know which one do you want it to be? Hmm. And immediately I knew, I was like, I want to serve creative service providers. And he was like, perfect. That's your niche. I'm not even going to tell you if it was heads or tails. That's your niche because that's who, when you're backed into a corner, that's who you chose. And so that was like literally how I did it because I was trying to please everyone. I was trying to be you know, I could probably help you. So I will help you. And I could probably help you too. And I could probably do it in whichever way you wanted me to do it. Like, you know, and and it became that I was running myself ragged. I was confusing people. And like Donald Miller says, if you confuse, you lose. And it became this thing of like, I wasn't getting traction because I was trying to talk to everyone. And so for me, it's been this journey. and, And once I niched down, Once I actually was like, I am speaking to creative service providers. Once I started saying no to people who weren't that niche, who are, even though I'm like, I could probably help you, but my focus is this. And so I'm going to say no. Once I started doing that, it was like all of my people, photographers, designers, coaches, copywriters, they all kind of, it was like their little radar went up and they were like, oh, I want to work with her because she's actually saying no to other people who aren't like me. And so it it made everything kind of more potent, I think, in our marketing as well. That's exactly right. If you have to write marketing copy for one audience, that copy is going to be very sharp. If I add in a second Mm. audience, it dulls it a little bit for both of those audiences. But if I were to give you a list of 10 audiences and say write marketing copy that's going to resonate with these 10 audiences, you would have to go to such a high level to communicate the same ideas 10 different ways, 10 different you know, sort of adjustments that you'd have to make. Mm. And mm. the problem is you wouldn't be speaking clearly to any of them. So one of the yeah. biggest fears that people have is if I niche down too far, I'm saying no to money. And the opposite is true. When you focus your message, you're resonating with the subset of the market that wants to do business with you. There is a subset of the market Mm. that needs you to say things in a certain way for them. And if you can do that, you will shorten your sales cycle and get to yes faster just by saying it the way that they needed to. I think a lot of the, when, when people say marketing is hard, I think the reason that it's hard for them is because they're trying to speak to too large of an audience. And it it can be simplified significantly just by limiting the audience down to the people that are most going to resonate with what they have to offer. Mm. Can you say that you said something, Todd, that was so good. You said people think that if they niche down too far, they're saying no to sales. Can you say that one more time? Because I think a lot of people need to hear that again. Yes, people often think that they're going to niche down so far that they're going to turn away money and it's going to affect their business in a negative way. And the opposite is true. Mm. You're not going to sell less, you're going to sell more. Because once you focus yourself down on 
working with a smaller group, you get more of that individual attention, that individual connection that you're really trying to build with your marketing. You accomplish that faster with a niche. Yeah. Oh, and I think there's so much in that. And I think there's so many limiting beliefs. And that's a scarcity mindset, right? To go, well, if I, if I say no to this, I am going to lose out in some way. If I niche down and, and actually kind of draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to do this kind of work anymore, or I'm not going to work with this type of client anymore, or I'm only going to work with clients who have this type of budget. It, I think there's such a, I think part of the reason there's so much resistance to it is that there's a mindset challenge to it as well, right? Like it's like we really kind of bring up our beliefs about money, beliefs about um, whether there's plenty of work to go around or not enough work to go around. It it really kind of shines a spotlight on those beliefs. How do you, right. and like, do you find that people need to work through this? Or if so, how do you work through those limiting or like unhelpful beliefs. Yeah, I try and address it a little bit up front. I think it's okay for us to just go ahead and say it's fear. People are afraid yeah. that they're not going to get the business that they want. They're not going to get the the uh, uh, the income that they want if they niche their business down. We have just recently, um, or not too long ago, uh, crested 8 billion people on the planet you are in Sydney, Australia. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. We're talking over the internet. We have access to so many people. Your niche is out there and you can yeah. find them. All the tools are there. Mm. What you need to apply is discipline and go through a process to really find your niche. And that gets into a framework that I built to help people find their niche. People are scared until we go through the framework and find their niche. And once we go through that and they find their niche, they realize this is what they were made to do. And there's a lot of people wow. out there who need them to be doing exactly that thing that we found. And once they, once they find their niche, the fear goes away. They realize there are thousands of people out there who need exactly what I have to offer. But until we find their yeah. niche, I get it. They're going to be nervous. Yeah. Can you walk us through, Todd, like the bird's eye view of how to actually find your niche. I know you've kind yes. of got five elements, right, that you that you talk through. Can you can you walk us through each of those elements? Sure. So the first one, I take people through their unique abilities. Any business that you put together, you should be able to be a specialist in. You should have a lot of history, a lot of knowledge that you can leverage in order to to put that business together. So that's the first one. The second thing that we look at is the customer's journey. So people are very familiar with the transaction in their industry. For example, realtors are very familiar with buying and selling a home. That's the main transaction. Mm. But when you sort of zoom out for a minute and look at what, the, what your customer's trying to accomplish, they're trying to move from one city to the next uh, mom or dad is going to move there, start a job. Six months later, the rest of the family is going to come and stay. They need a rental home in the new city. They need a plan to start looking for a house, even though they don't live there. They need a lot of services that are outside the actual transaction of the real estate closing. And when you zoom out and you look at what the customer is trying to accomplish in the big scheme of things, 
you realize there's lots of opportunities to add additional services that can niche your offering. So that's mm-hmm. the second part that we look at. Then we take a look, a look at competition. People have a very unhealthy perspective on competition. They think, mm. uh, and, and I don't blame them, the word that we use makes it feel like a fight. We are not fighting with the competition. The competition are people just like us trying to help customers in the best way that they can. So the right thing to do is position yourself in the field of competition so that you stand out. You're not trying to be better than, you're trying to be different from. And so that's the third step we look at. We make sure that the niche that we're finding uh, does not run into any competitors, and if so, we make adjustments so we separate ourselves. The fourth step we take is we choose a market. And this always surprises people. When people try and find a niche, they want to choose the market first. They say, Mm. I want to work with women-owned businesses that do this, that, and the other. And then they try and reverse engineer a product to take care of that market. The problem is you might reverse engineer yourself into a product that you have no specialization in. And so you can't do a good job. So you really have to put market off till almost the end. And once you have a niche idea, then you say, who's the market that's best going to get value out of this? That's how we choose a market. Love it. And then the last step that we take is we talk about products. Your products need to be built specifically for the market you chose and deliver the unique approach that you identified when you were putting together your niche. That's how you develop a niche product. I see people will often have a generic product, but then try and develop a niche marketing technique. So they they Mm. sort of speak in these terms to their audience, but then when their audience actually buys their coaching product, it looks just like every other coaching product out there. It's priced the same. They need the same amount per month. They talk about the same things and people are let down. They think, I, I mm. thought I was finding someone who really had a solution that was going to work for me that felt individualized. But the truth is they're just kind of, you know, putting together a coaching product like everyone else has. And we don't want that. We mm. want to make sure that your product yeah. looks, uh, reflects your niche identity, but is also built for your market. That is so, so helpful. And I love how you you mentioned market and products last because so many people are like, I need to niche down. Like, this is my niche. This is my and, – and most people think about demographics. Where at least like most of my clients, they're like, oh, I, I need – you know, who am I speaking to? Am I speaking to product businesses? Am I speaking to, yeah, female entrepreneurs? Am I speaking to like who, who is my person? And I think you're right that that's not the right question we should be asking. It's it's more about who can you, what are your skill sets? Who can you help? Who do you like helping? And then looking at, well, what's everyone else doing? Not so that it's a competitive thing, so that it's a, how can I differentiate from them? And then looking at the demographic and the, the products or offers. That's exactly right. People ask themselves, who, who is my ideal client? And they keep looking at their client, almost yeah. wanting to ask them, are you my ideal client? Are you my ideal client? Yes. And the truth is, it, th- let's think about what an ideal client actually is. An ideal client is someone that will walk past all of your competition 
and pick you over everyone else. The mm. only way they're going to do that is if you offer something unique that would make them choose you over everyone else. So yeah. literally imagine you and all your competitors lined up against a wall and your customers walking along and they're going to they're pick somebody and you want them to pick you. Well, they would have no reason to pick you unless there's something different about you that you're presenting to them. Mm. So the question mm. is not who is your ideal client. The question is what unique offer or what unique aspect of your business are you presenting to the world so that people have a reason to choose mm. you? So you, instead of looking at your customers, you need to look inside yourself and you're going to get to the answer faster. Yeah, I love that. And I think that really feels really aligned with with my experience in that like people come to us and most people on a sales call will say, um, like one of our team will ask like, why did you reach out to us instead of someone else? And they will, most people will say, oh, I just liked Laura's vibe. I listened to her podcast, like shout out if you listen to the podcast, but they're like, I listened to the podcast, I follow her on Instagram. I just liked her vibe. I liked her brand. I liked kind of the vibe. And that was really fascinating to me because it's really difficult to quantify what, what your vibe is or your brand is. It's really difficult to quantify that. But that is the thing that attracts people to us. And I think there's something to that. And if we can amplify that and speak to our people more like, I don't know, in a, the word I keep thinking of is like potent. Like it's like, it, it's like, they're like, oh my gosh, you're reading my diary kind of thing. Like that's, yes. that's kind of the vibe that we want to have in our marketing. That's right. You can, you can uh, very much so distill down to those magical elements that whenever you focus on those and you're delivering those, mm -hmm. you know exactly the audience that's going to resonate with that approach. One really good question to ask your audience or your customers is, why did you pick me? And don't lead them at all. Yeah. Really get a, an honest response from them. And you'll oftentimes hear something from customers and it'll be a consistent answer, but it'll be something you never expected. And mm -hmm. once you realize that that's something that you're sending out, you need to double down on that and realize that's, um, that's resonating with the market that you want. Yeah. And I, I've never thought about that as a, I've kind of always thought about that as a marketing thing. I've never really thought about that as a niche thing of like, well, my niche like things that look beautiful. <laughs> like it's kind of like most of my like audience, they're creatives, they're designers, they're photographers, they care about how things look. And so, and so do I. So like that's, and maybe that comes into, like you were saying, like the unique ability and the customer's journey. It's like, we care about similar things. And if I hid that in my marketing or on the flip side, if I amplified that in my marketing and then the experience in our coaching program was a bit sloppy and didn't look beautiful, then like you were saying, that's like a, that's a disconnect, right? That's correct. That's correct. Um, I've, a lot of my career has been spent building products. And I think that there's a real blend between products and marketing. Everything that you do, every, every way in which you connect with the customer is part of your product. And so if you can really boil down and say, what my clients value from me is this, and, and even have a short list of those things, that should be reflected in your marketing, on your podcasts, on your products, on your websites. And it could be something like quality, 
attention to artistic yeah. detail, valuing creativity. It can be some of those elements because those are the ways in which people connect with each other. It's the way we build friendships. It's the reason that we like certain yeah. people and dislike others. It makes complete sense that that same element would exist in business. If business is truly a relationship, then you need to find those things that attract the friends that you're, uh, or the, the type of customers that you're enjoying and yeah. keep amplifying those, keep, uh, keep sending that yeah. out. That makes so, so much sense. And I think a lot of people get hung up on the, oh, what age are they? What location do they live in? The details. Whereas I think the more powerful things are the intangible elements of like, what do they care about? What do they love? What's the thing keeping them up at night? How can you help them? What's the problem that you solve? What, like, how do you craft an offer for that person? I think that it just makes everything feel like a bit more of a slipstream of like, oh, cool. Now we're talking to our people and now we're getting that cut through as well. Yeah. And that's one of the fun things when I work with people and help them find their niche, they realize that for one, a market exists out there that's made for them. That's mm. very exciting. But the other thing, they realize they already know them. They know what they like. They know how they think. They just never thought that those people were going to be their market. And yeah. a, a lot of times our market thinks a lot like us. That's one of the reasons that we resonate with them so well. And so it's not it's never intimidating when someone finds their niche or finds their niche market. No one ever says, oh, great, now I just found my ideal niche is a bunch of people I don't like or I can't talk to. It never happens. The opposite is yeah. true. They're exactly your people, but you needed to go through some kind of a methodical process to find them. And that's why I built this framework. If you stay in business long enough, you will find your niche. Year after yeah. year, you will make adjustments, you will take feedback, and you will very slowly start to watch your market start to come up with sort of this homogeneous identity. I just mm. help people get there faster by taking them through a process so they can find it over a couple of weeks instead of a number of years. Totally, because it, it definitely took me years to find my niche. And I, I'd love to kind of dive into the feedback piece of your niche. What happens, you know, you've got the five elements that you've mentioned, the unique ability, the customer's journey, the competition, the market and the products. What happens when one of these pieces isn't working? Let's say your products, you've got all four, those top first four, and then your product isn't resonating with your market. A, how do you figure out if it's resonating or if it isn't? And B, how do you then make the adjustments from there? Yep. So... I should mention that I take these people through these five elements in that specific order. So we take things mm -hmm. that we learn in the unique approach uh, or the unique abilities, I'm sorry, into the customer journey. Then we take the findings from that into competition and then to market and then to product. Mm -hmm. So what it, it's a matter of alignment. If you build a product that does not resonate with the market you've identified, you have to go back to that part of our conversation and figure out mm. where did I get off track? Because I'm drawing a line between myself, my unique abilities, my understanding of the customer, competition, market, and product. It is 
definitely going to create a niche product unless I've somehow gotten out of alignment. And when I work with people, we put yeah. together a document and we, we work together and identify these five elements. And I just tell them, let's go back to your niche market or let's go back to your, to your market. Who is your market again? And let's dive into why we chose them. And once they, once they are reminded of why they chose that market, why that market's going to resonate with them, they usually find it and they go, ah, that's where I, that's where I got off. I didn't carry these values mm. through to my product. Yeah, that is, oh, that's so helpful because I find a lot of people, a lot of our audience are wanting to create digital products or maybe create courses and programs and things like that, that are like more scalable, one to many. It's like, it's awesome. And it's really exciting. And I love helping people to create courses because that's been a game changer for my business. But the thing I find is when people create the product first, before thinking about whether or not their market even wants it or needs it or has even asked for it, it generally doesn't sell because they've done it in the wrong order. That's <laughs> exactly so I think right. It feels like people try to be clever and they're like, oh, this is a fast opportunity. This could be a quick win. This could be some quick cash. So I'm going to create this offer real quick. Maybe it does get you some quick wins, but in the long run, I think you lose trust with your audience when you create products or offers that are kind of random <laughs> as well. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. You you definitely can't start with product first. Um, and I, I see mm. people try and do that all the time. I think a lot of it is we all want to make money in our businesses. And so yeah. I, I think of it um, when when people build products, it's almost like they have a whiteboard in their mind and they're sort of framing out this product idea. And they the really big things they're looking at they want to make money, so they're thinking about revenue, and they go, well, I want to build it like this because that gets me a higher price and I can make more money you know, per widget that I sell. Mm. They want to lower their cost, and so they're thinking, well, let me do it this way because that's easier for me and it's less money, and, and so that you know, sort of is a big ingredient that goes into their product. And then they think about scale. Even before they sell their first product, they're already thinking about demand being so high that they're going to have to, you know, roll this thing out in large quantities. And so they're asking themselves, how am I going yeah. to scale this thing? And they're building this, this sort of rocket ship that's going to make them a lot of money, mm. have low costs and scale really well, and nobody wants it. And what I recommend yeah. is think about making money, think about costs, think about scale. That's important. But a fourth element I want you to bring in is think about being unique. Think about how is yeah. this carrying your unique abilities, your understanding of the customer journey, your positioning in the marketplace, and how is it resonating with your unique market? If mm. that gets equal attention with making money, lowering your cost, and scaling your product, you're going to build a more balanced product that your market will accept. Because the only Love thing that, that the market really cares about is whether or not it fits for them. They can get past the price if it really fits for them. And they can deal with some potential scaling issues if it really fits for them. So I would say be loyal to your market, be loyal to your niche identity after you find it, mm. and the money will come. You can solve the problems of scale 
after you've really found a niche product that works for people. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Now, I have got two more questions for you. On the unique ability piece, I'd love to know an example of how we actually map this out. Because I think for a lot of us, we kind of go, oh, I'm just a business coach or I'm just a photographer or I'm just a graphic designer. Like I'll kind of do whatever. And we don't know how to identify what makes us unique. How do you help people to identify the thing that makes them different? Can personality be a part of that? Or is it always just a business related thing? Anything can contribute into it. And the reality is we usually take multiple different unique abilities and bundle them together and and carry them forward in your niche. So let me give you an example of somebody, a business coach that I helped him find his niche. Uh, guy's name is Brad. He's a BMS uh, certified coach. And Brad used to be a pilot. And as we talked about that, he described what pilot training looks like. And he said, in the beginning, a an entry-level pilot can only fly up to a certain altitude, has to be able to see the ground, cannot fly into clouds, and there's all these rules. But the main point of all of this is that pilots are obsessed with avoiding risk. Because obviously, if, if they do something wrong, the plane could crash. So they're all about uh, looking at risk, handling risk in the right way. And then after they have been flying for a while, they learn how to read their instruments. Then they can fly into the clouds. They can do some of the riskier stuff. And so Brad was able to take this concept that he knew inside and out, this idea of, of getting better at something, but doing it by focusing on managing risk. And he applied this to business coaching. And what we came up with for Brad is to say, Brad, there's a lot of people that are that want to start a business, but they are scared to death of the risk that they're getting ready to take. They're getting to risk, they're, they're going to have to risk some of their nest egg. They're going to risk some of their relationship mm-hmm. with their partner. And this horrifies them. But you can now put together this stair-step approach and help them build a business where the number one goal is not making money. The number one goal is surviving the journey, getting through your first Mm. year intact and building up some basic skills that you need for your business. And then in year two, we're going to take the next step and you're going to take bigger risks and so on. And he was able to take something like pilot training and apply that to business coaching. And once we made that connection his mind just took off because he knew everything about pilot training. So that's just one example of the kind of, there are these sort of, you know, uh, treasures hidden in people. And once they tap into it and they realize, wow, I really, I have an opportunity for a unique approach here that is going to resonate with a a certain group of people. They get very excited and uh, their their market responds. And so it doesn't need to be that you're, you know, sometimes... It can feel like, oh, I need to have this like crazy rags to riches story or I need to have this background in X, Y, and Z. I need to have something like crazy exciting or whatever. But it can be something that is seemingly normal or comes naturally to you or is mundane even to you that someone else would go, that's kind of magic about you, Todd. Like the fact that you can do that is kind of magic. Like it kind of feels like it's, I don't know, part of me feels like when I think about the unique ability piece, I'm like, Gosh, like what would I even like what would I even say for that? So I, I, I like how you framed that as it's it can just be part of your story. Yeah. It can be part of your style. 
human beings have a certain style. You know, um, I ask people certain questions. These are even questions they could ask their friends and family about them. And they'll get back similar answers from people because they have a certain style. You're overlooking it, but it's there. And if you can start to capture yes. some of these, the, the, the way in which you look at things in a unique manner and start applying that to the profession that you've chosen, you can come up with a unique approach. At the end of the day, a niche can be found when you develop a unique approach. And when you communicate that unique approach out to the, to the world, the subset of the market that has been waiting for you to come along with that unique approach, they're going to step forward and say, mm-hmm. I'm your market. Oh, I love that. That is so good. And that's actually really inspiring for me to hear. Like, it can be your style. I love, I love that. I think that that's really simplifies it a lot as well. Now, my final question for you before we kind of, I know people are going to want to check out your work, but final question for you is what are the signs that we aren't niche enough? What are the kind of telltale signs that we need to niche down further? The number one thing is, can your customers easily distinguish you from your competitors? So if someone were to say, um, I'm going to make up a competitor's name, Sarah, for you, Mm. Could someone easily, could one of your customers easy, easily explain the difference between you and Sarah? If they can, mm. you're niche enough. If they can't, yeah. then you either need to niche down further or more than likely, you need to explain the difference between you and Sarah. Because if you're not explaining how you're different, then your customer doesn't know you're different. And differences are important. That's how customers make decisions. So I would start there. Can your customers explain the difference between you and your closest competitor? If they can, you don't need to go any further because that's the whole point in niching to begin with is you're trying to differentiate yourself so that your customers have a reason to choose you. Yes, that's so good. That's such a good way to put it. Well, Todd, this has been so helpful and so practical. Where can people connect with you? Where can people learn more about you and check out what you do? Sure. So the best place to find me, uh, my website, growanichebusiness.com. Uh, they can check out the workshop. I've got some free resources out there. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Grow a Niche Business and uh, putting out all kinds of bits of information that people can use just to understand more about either finding their niche or applying their niche to their business. Love it. Well, thank you so much for really breaking this down and making something that can feel a little bit scary and a little bit daunting feel really easy for us to do. And like, there's a process. I love, love, love this. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure hanging out with you today. Thank you, Laura. This was fun. Well, I hope that that gave you a really clear framework and kind of the steps that you need to not only find your niche, but to create epic products and offers for your niche. Because I love how he framed that up, that it wasn't just about, this is the demographics, these are my people. It was also about, well, what is the customer journey? What offers do they actually need? And notice that products come last. That's the final step. So next time you go to create a new product, I want you to think first about your niche before you even think about the product, before you think about the logistics or the, oh my gosh, it's going to be so good. Before you even start doing that, put pen to paper, I want you to think first about, does my niche really want this? And have they been asking me for this? And 
if I create this, am I creating this with them in mind or am I creating it with me in mind? Because one of those ways is wrong. <laughs> and I'm going to let you figure out which one is wrong. I hope that you found this conversation super insightful and helpful. Now, I do want to let you know, we are now taking on new clients inside of the Next Level Club. So if you want to plan to scale your creative business from 5K months to 30K months and beyond, then you should definitely hit me up. All you need to do is go to laurahiggins.com forward slash next dash level and you can actually apply to join us. We'll have a quick chat. We'll make sure it's the right fit for you and then we can get you moving, get you rocking and rolling, introduce you to the community, introduce you to the coaches. Our members are getting insane results. We've got members launching courses. They're doing 50K course launches. We've had another member do a 47K course launch. This is crazy stuff. It is working so, so well. We've got members hiring team. Um, Oh my gosh, there's so many cool, incredible wins from creatives who are just like you. Let me tell you, they're not unicorns. They don't possess something special that you don't have. They are just like you, my friend. So if you're a photographer, designer, copywriter, consultant, or coach, and you want to level up your business, and if you're already at 5K months, then hey, we'd love to chat about whether or not the Next Level Club is the right fit for you. All you need to do is go to laurahiggins.com forward slash next dash level. We'd love to help you to take your business to the next level. Super, super fun. Alrighty, my friend, have a wonderful week. I will see you back here same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, go get them.